Hi, I'm Jim Antonopoulos. Hi, I'm Damien Carolla. This is Fearless Conversations. So, Damien. Hey, Jim. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's been a little while. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. Um, how's the week been? Um, the week is, has been uh, quite interesting in terms of the topic uh, that you've suggested for this podcast, which is all about leadership and solitude. So mm. I've, I've been in the cave trying to design the framework for a new uh, accelerator program. So I'm learning all about solitude, mate, and it's not always pretty. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I, I picture you as... Um you know, Luke Skywalker going into that dark cave about to confront his uh, worst fears and nightmares. Yes, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of rocks uh, coming and grenades getting thrown into the cave <laughs> and there's not a lot of relief, but that's okay because um, I'm practicing what I preach, which is the art of, of sitting in your own space trying to design and work, work something out. Yeah, and that's what I thought we could talk about today is the, um, the, the idea of solitude and being alone, being comfortable being alone and how that relates to being a good leader in the sense of practicing leadership, uh, leading not just uh, your organization, your team, your projects, but also yourself. Yeah, it's look, uh, I think it's a, a fairly core topic. Uh, the reason why it's so compelling and important is it's one thing to sit in solitude when you need to work through a specific issue, um, do a bit of self-reflection on needing to pivot a business or a strategy. But I think we've also got to be providing people some tools and some ways that they can sit in those periods, those magical moments, um, no matter what comes up. I agree. Talk me through this um, challenge that you have in setting up this accelerator program and how solitude has helped you uh, realize towards a solution. Yeah, um, yeah, great. Oh, look, I'll, I'll talk on the fly. Um, you know, you, whenever you embark on a new uh, uh, venture or you, you open up a new chapter, um, a lot of stuff always comes up uh, uh, you know, before you sort of proceed on that journey. And a lot of that stuff is this thing around wanting to deliver for others, wanting to deliver for all the key stakeholders, whether they're investors or, or a board or, or a number of stakeholders that you know, have common interest in getting an outcome. So it could be a new business startup, could be an idea, could be just a program. And initially you, you, you start with this sense of excitement and anticipation. And it's a bit like the hero's journey, isn't it, Jim? It sure is. You know, you're like, wow, I'm gonna go out on this amazing journey. And then you come across um, a few obstacles, which are pretty natural. They're just designed to sharpen your skills or, or your tools. And you, you reach a few um, struggles It could be, um, could be external pressure, but I think the solitude that we're talking about is probably more about some of the internal pressure that we put in ourselves, mm -hmm. uh, in addition to the, the external pressures. Yeah. And the, the thing with solitude is the ultimate aim is how long can I sit through a problem uh, or, or, a, um, or a strategy, um, you know, how long do I need to sit in my cave until I work out the fundamentals of a model? And that's very much about learning to be alone, which we'll get to. But uh, the first thing you touched on was the um, the constant noise and uh, pressure. I think you used the word pressure um, that is sort of thrown at you and the sort of self-expectation that you, we put on ourselves. Um, and, and, you know, in this day and age of... Um, you know, we look at our phones and, you know, they're, they're constantly buzzing. There's information coming at us 
left, right and centre. We're surrounded by people. Uh, we're looking at a clock and it's ticking because that we're thinking of the next thing that we have to be at. Um, it's a constant onslaught. Is the first thing very much about managing our own accessibility and our own uh, time and our ability to say yes and no in this stage? Yeah, yes. you've and you do something um, around the way you manage content, which I really always it reminds me of the way you the discipline around the kind of the kind the types of media content that you allow into your world, the types of um, channels, whether it's medium or or the way you navigate um, news channels and you're really clear on the type of content that you will and won't let into your world. Um, I noticed that um, intuitively uh, you don't allow a lot of drama into your world. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, so you're not going to sit there and, and read all these stupid Twitter feeds yeah. uh, which are going to just creating more agitation and noise because they're likely to uh, heighten your tension and create oh, more noise. Absolutely. Managing uh, dramatic instances. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you're really, so you're not sitting there on Instagram, no. uh, um, you know, for the next two hours. And, and I'd love people to try this experiment. If they don't think it works, sit on Instagram or Facebook for an hour and tell me how you feel. Mm. You're going to feel like rubbish. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you're going to feel heightened, your dopamine, the way you, um, uh, the way you keep, um, you know, I put a, a post on, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. And I'm thinking, how many likes can I get? What is that creating? That's creating that sort of dopamine hit. What does that do to me in terms of that tech piece? It, it heightens my tension. So how, how on earth am I going to be able to sit still in solitude when I'm in that heightened tech state? Yeah, we need to be able to manage that. And for me personally, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning how to do it, constantly learning how to do it. Um, I've switched off certain channels. I'm very selective as to what I subscribe to and what I unsubscribe to. Very, very selective. Uh, there are some mainstays in my life that I allow in. And that, this goes for both channels, information, content and people. So yes. this applies broadly. Um, I say no more often than I say yes. Um, um, I've also just begun chairing the um, RMIT Venture Mentoring Service um, Program, um, which mentors um, early sort of mid-stage funded startups. It's a great program. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm really, I'm really excited about it. Um, but it's also such a rare um, occurrence around for me because I'm constantly saying no. So. When I sit there and think, hey, I'm doing this, uh, which is outside of work, outside of family, um, you know, it's so rare for me to be doing something like that um, because I'm constantly thinking about um, my energy and my time and where it goes. And I think that those, these first two things that we're touching on, um, our accessibility in this sort of crazy world and the neuroscience, the kind of dopamine hit that we get from allowing certain things in, they're the first two things that we really need to be aware of when it comes to solitude and leadership. Yeah, look, it's, you know, that, that old sort of... Um that, that whole equation where, you know, we go to the gym, we build our muscles, but, you know, we're not doing work on, on the way our brains function. Mm. And people go, how do you do work like that? Well, it's actually doing everything that you've recommended around being really discerning around content, around how you provide yourself space to sit mm. still. And those types of practices, whether it's through the out-breath, whether it's through quiet time, whether it's through just controlling the noise, the noise could be people, the noise could be tech, and you don't always have full control over those mm. noises, but you've got a lot of choices that you can make throughout the day um, 
that can impact um, how these things uh, affect you and they affect your attention and they affect your ability to sit still. Mm. Um, and so your, your mood, your, your, your worldview, your view of yourself and your sense of self-worth. There's um, the, the cost of that distraction is, um, is huge. Yeah, did you, I mean, so for you to have, get this understanding and this insight, you must have experienced the other end. You don't get to sort of a point of um, being clear on uh, what you allow into the into your world if you've if you've experienced the other side of it, which is allowing people into your world. That of do you want to say something about say, that? I, yeah, and I think I've mentioned it a few times over various episodes, but um, yeah, in in a nutshell, yeah, saying yes to everything isn't the answer. You know, I've um, certainly I've known people in my career that um, have created this sense of um, this belief that if they uh, say yes to everything, they allow everything into their world, they constantly volunteer, constantly donate, constantly do uh, work on everything they can, um, that then therefore they will kind of reach a higher potential. For me, um, I don't really um, buy into that at all. I think the things we say no to are just as important as the things we say yes. Um, I th- we've talked about values in the past. Um, you know, to, to stand for something, you have to stand against something. Yes. It, it just goes with the it's a yin, the yin and the yang of having a values and belief system. Um, you know, so for me, yes, it it has my belief and my my principles around solitude and finding a practice of solitude and leadership um, have certainly become from allowing too much in and accepting too much in my career and being able to say that certain things I just won't accept anymore. Jim, what I um, <laughs> there's like a call it this a model. You've um, you develop the art of being really open, really open, open mind, open heart, open will, but still highly discerning. Yeah. So you, yeah. you don't just have to say uh, uh, by saying no to people it doesn't mean that you're still not open to innovation, design, uh, new ways of operating. You can still be high, highly discerning at the same time, can't you? Oh, completely, completely. How do you um, how do you personally apply um, solitude? Now I know you, from our discussions um, when the mic is off and on. <laughs> You've spoken to me a lot about meditating, a lot of... Um, you've even said to me, I remember, if I may, um, sometimes that when I've asked you, you know, how the week's going, you, you'd let me know that uh, for the next few days you're just going to find um, your own time and your own space. And that's a nice signal for me to say, right, Damo's doing um, this for a few days, um, I'm going to le- leave yeah. you be. It's a really nice yeah. way um, of saying, you know, I'm just, I just want to be alone for a little while. How do, Can you talk me through that process? So um, assuming for the next three days you're going into a state of solitude to uh, solve something, can you just talk me through that? How does that, how do you find that that works for you? Uh, look, this is the really juicy, juicy part of this um, talk. And, and I, I reckon uh, everyone's experienced this and probably battles this with this from time to time for a lot of people Jim in this sort of heightened um, tech era this sort of information highway that we keep or super highway that we keep talking about um, it's probably harder than ever to find quite still space people are really heightened in general across society we've got massive levels of anxiety and even if it's undiagnosed anxiety it's this kind of general unrest and this general unease so when I say to someone can you find some solitude they'll look at me like are you serious you want me to stop Mm. what happens if I stop 
Mm. You know, what's all the all the I'm going to have to really confront all this noise in my head. So where we always start is just where we are. Now, the thing about meditation practice, which um, is really the heart and soul of of any kind of sitting meditation, silent practice, uh, a walk on your own, is that I may start this and there's a good probability that there's going to be so much noise in my head because if I haven't given myself much time for space and quiet time, well, I'm, bring, I'm, I'm entering that uh, space in a fairly heightened, agitated um, state, uh, state full of noise, maybe a bit of anxiety, a little bit of pressure to deliver. And it's the, you know what it is, Jim? It's the parallel, it's like a double-edged sword, sorry. The double-edged sword of, I'm going to embark on a new journey and for that journey to be of value, I've got to be out of my comfort zone. And me being out of my comfort zone means it's going to bring up a bit of angst and a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of self-doubt, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome. And you know the thing is, if it's not bringing up any of those, it's not worth doing. Mm. Otherwise, I just stay in my pyjamas and stay in bed and, you know, and, and wait for the alarm to go off at 8.30 and go, oh, it's just a little bit cold. You reckon I can know that five or ten minutes? I'll stay in my comfort zone. Mm. But sometimes, and it happened this morning, um, I got up at 4 a.m., it was quite cold and I worked till about eight, right? And and I know because I've got to deliver something and I know, I know that my, my body's telling me, oh, it's really cold, you've had a really hard week, you've had a really tough day yesterday, but now it's time to go into a cave when the only thing I want to do is, is rest and, and be uh, warm. And that's the art of solitude, which it starts with, for most of us, unless we've been meditating uh, like Zen Buddhist monks for years, it starts with probably a lot of discomfort and a bit of struggle does that make sense yeah it does it certainly does um and yeah it certainly does and that resonates with me um i'm you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and i think that's another hurdle that a lot of people need to jump oh look and and we talk about capability capability building for mentors and founders and ceos and leaders and capability building is only about one thing for me to be perfectly honest is how how do we go with the struggle it's not the external struggle of the market the market forces or the stakeholders it's the internal demons that we have to battle on top of all the market forces mm. and solitude will actually make that really clear mm. have you have you can you tell me about how you enter that state um yeah and i can and i've just something that occurs to me as we discuss this topic is that there you know we all have very various nuances in the roles that we play as leaders, you know, where we, our leadership roles aren't necessarily single-minded um, and, uh, you know, a nice neat little job title underneath our name and, you know, a, a tightly woven LinkedIn profile. Our leadership roles are nuanced, you know, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Um, you know, uh, um, you're a leader in your organisation with your the job and the accountability that you have, yes. You're also a leader of people, um, just human beings within your orbit. Um, sometimes that's within a team, but that's also um, also broader than that. You're a leader in your market if you have a strong market positioning and you stand for something. You're a leader um, across your market not just within but across your market trajectory if you have a strong value system and um, a very purposeful stance as an organization so that transcends market boundaries um, you're you're a leader if you're a parent um, you're also a leader if you're a friend 
yeah, amongst right. the friendship circle. Wow. So our leadership roles, um, and I'll answer your question, but for me, our leadership roles are really nuanced. Uh, you're it. a leader if you're a strategic leader. Um, you know, I do a lot of work in strategy development. Um, you know, strategic leader is a key cornerstone in developing really great strategy development strategies um, and transformations. So. Um, to answer that question, I think is uh, we have to nuance the very specific type of leadership role we're talking. So talking about, you know, I'll reel it right back. As a parent, right, my leadership role as a parent, um, I seek solitude almost every day to be able to uh, navigate the rabbit warren that it is um, raising a 12, 10 and four, four and a half year old. Um, so, you know, for me, that's something as simple as um, mindful drawing. I do a lot of writing and drawing, which I really love, um, which, you know, I have scant time to really do yeah, uh, right. um, in these times. But for me, when I do do it, even if it's five minutes, 10 minutes or 15 or an hour, um, you know, that for me is solitude. It's being able to block out the distractions and the messages and just focus on one thing in a mindful way. Um, and I know that there's um, some activity in my mind in the back there somewhere that's, um, that's distilling and synthesizing some of the challenges that I have to face. Um, that's, that's the way I handle it as a parent. At the other extreme, um, as uh, I guess as a, um, a leader of my small organization um, and also as a, a leader of, um, I guess, transformations in large organizations, which are a role that I play, um, I'm constantly seeking um, solitude in those arenas as well. And sometimes I practice that with people which is strange. So right. I have a, a regular uh, conversation with a leader of another organization, which lasts about 40 minutes on our ride home, um, public transport. Yes. He, he drives, I'm on tram. Uh, that to me, that conversation is uh, not structured, um, but it's mindful, it's focused. And for me, that blocks out distractions um, and it's a form of solitude for me and I'm sure it's a form of solitude for him as well. Um, there are other times when I, um, I choose days I work on my own in the office. Mm. Um, I cherish those days. Yes. They're my days and I see them as my own. So I've structured my working life around that, um, to, to allow for that. And I also work a nine day fortnight where it, once once every two weeks, I have a day that's focused on me, where which I, allows me to think um, reflect um, and then move forward. So there are different ways that I handle that, um, and, but they're very meaningful to me. So Jim, in order for us to create those spaces, which are, are really, really important, um, whether it's a day or an hour or half an hour or whatever we can manage within our busy time schedule, the first question I'd, I'd have is how do we become better friends to ourselves so we can sit in that quiet space. Oh, absolutely, yeah, good question. You know, so, and, and one of the things that is uh, as a tool, as a part of a toolkit that, you know, I'm always trying to throw out there to people is we can have compassion for other people, but uh, the, the most important tool that you're ever gonna um, develop and practice is finding a bit of compassion for yourself when things, things aren't feeling great when you're feeling under pressure, when you actually feel like an imposter, you feel like crap, you don't feel like you can, you, know, you wanna get out of bed and, and, and uh, tackle the day, okay? Um, 
some of these practices uh, when we're required to find something within ourselves to soften ourselves up to let go of the judgment the blame um, the self um, flagellation mm. um, just because someone else is beating us over the head uh, you know through a stakeholder network I mean how do I become a friend to myself and not just a friend but a friend that's completely unconditional yeah I completely hear you and you know I see that in people I see that in people that I've worked with um, and some people that I've worked with quite closely over my career um, and I can see that there's a constant inner struggle with themselves that sometimes and unfortunately um, externalizes in negative ways um, so what kind of well, I mean what kinds of behaviors or, or experiences without going to too much detail oh, um, criticism okay uh, uh, limited mindset like closed yep. mindset um, as opposed to an abundant mindset yes constantly knocking uh, blackheading ideas yeah, right. um, never really having the solution yes um, talking about um, the solution but never really doing anything about it yes you know just really being picky 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 you know yep. um, there are ways that I've seen it uh, seen that sort of internal angst externalize um, you know there's room for criticism there's always space yes. for feedback and input but you know there's a there's a way um, but I've certainly seen that um, in some individuals that in the past that I've worked with there they've really struggled and I can see that in a struggle um, that inability to just um, just to say yeah look this is yeah. this is on me you so, know yeah so Jim you've um, you know one of the biggest um, the reason we practice solitude is that um, whatever is going on internally in my in my current state is going to play out in my organisation. So mm. if I'm... Without a doubt. Yeah. So if I'm behaving like a bully or, or with a big ego or inappropriately, all that's doing is playing out my internal state. Mm. And, and that internal state will perpetuate unless I put a block into that. I mean, the only way to put a full stop into that is to sit, go on a hike, do your breathing, mm. just allow yourself to come down a little bit and ask yourself, well, what's really going on here? What am I really scared of? What kinds of behaviours am I playing out? And you can do that with a lot of compassion and, and non-judgment. Mm. And, 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 it, and nobody, unfortunately, nobody's going to work this stuff out other than you. Yeah. You'll get guides, counsellors, good friends, mentors, uh, a good mate that can sort of pat you on the shoulder and say, buddy, are you okay? Is mm. everything okay? But ultimately, that the heart and soul of leadership is that ultimately it's on me and I'm going to have to sit through this. Basically, the, the, the heart and soul of, of what we're talking about is this practice of solitude actually gives us a space through which we can start to work through our own stuff. And what I mean by working through our own stuff is just being present with whatever's coming up. Mm. Yeah, and if I don't give myself space, Jim, I can't, uh, all, I'm, that, all I'm doing is being caught in the noise. Mm. I completely agree. And sometimes um, we need to work towards solitude. So what I mean by that is we need to find the vocabulary, um, the appropriate dialogue to have um, to allow ourselves and the permission to allow ourselves um, to have that solitude to block out distractions i've personally learned a lot from our conversations both on and off air um, that, that have enabled me to have a dialogue with myself to say it's okay um, and even have the vocabulary to express to others to say or communicate that this is a this is a space of solitude for me this is what i need 
now whether they understand it or not that's part of that's a, probably a communication issue or an yes. issue in their in their instance but um, sometimes having the conversation with people um, gives you the permission to then move towards solitude don't yeah, you think? right. Yeah, okay. So um, opening up that space and giving, yeah. being really clear with them, without judgment, without, without sort of, without kind of making it a big deal or a drama, just mm. just making it really clear. Yeah, and, and I, absolutely. Because I think some people, some of us, um, lack the vocabulary. Yes. To say, to use, or to to ask the firm of the permission to be alone. Yes. Yeah, and, and you're right, and, and they probably lack the vocabulary and, and maybe just simple tools. And the one, the tool that I love the most is you just don't have to make things a big deal. Mm. It's really, they're simple conversations, they're simple dialogue, and mm. when someone reacts to that request, even if they react, it's actually okay for them to react. You don't have to make their reaction a big deal either. Mm. And, and allow, having a bit of compassion for them that they may not get it, and that's actually okay. And they're mm. on their journey and you're on yours. And you can have compassion for yourself and compassion for them and say, well, actually that solitude is telling me this little voice, this intuitive voice deep in my gut is saying, hey, man, I, I just need some time out just to mm. let my brain settle yep. and rest. Yeah. What time do you go to sleep at night? Um, these days I try and get to bed pretty early, well before 10 o'clock. And that's just a bit of sleep hygiene mm. because my, I'm up really early and that's when I'm my most active. What, what about? What time do you wake up? Probably around five, half yeah, five. Good yeah, ten till five. Um, nine. Okay. PM. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a good between a nine good and nine thirty. I'll right. probably hit the bed, um, and I'm up at five. Yeah, qu- okay. Quarter to five sometimes, yes. but with without an alarm, it's just the rhythm right. in my life. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's um, that ability to allow ourselves um, to rest so is critical. Um, it's certainly alone time, <laughs> yeah, um, rest. but also then it frames, I think, the day for us and gives us the confidence and energy more so um, to confront some of these issues. So you know, you've touched upon a, a, a really interesting technique. So for many of us, if we're caught in a, a difficult period, could be a high stress, high pressure period, we may have broken, unsettled sleep. So mm. it's that old 3 a.m. problem solving yeah. exercise. Yeah. So. The question is, what do we do when we're lying awake at night at 3 a.m. and we can't get to sleep and that solitude probably feels like crap because we're going through a lot of rumination? Mm. It's a pretty common thing for people to experience. Yeah, amazing. Absolutely. It's very common. What does the week ahead look like for you? Uh, Week ahead is delivering a few um, frameworks and models Mm. uh, for a few people. So um, there's a lot of solitude ahead, Jim. Mm. Some good, some bad, mate. (laughs) Into the um, cave. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like I love telling people what to do, but when when they say to me, practice what you preach, it's kind of like, oh, okay. So I'm like the the plumber with bad plumbing. That's it. The rubber needs to hit the road now and you've got to learn to put it out there. Now, this has been a good discussion. For me, um, the week ahead for me – Look, I'm in Canberra for a couple of days uh, towards the end of the week and I've got a lot of family time planned for the weekend Great. and, yeah, bits and bobs here and there. So, yeah, it's good. This has been a good discussion. It's I really been, enjoyed yeah, it. It's been a really cool one. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Mm-hmm. Cheers.
Fearless is produced by Jim Antonopoulos and Damien Carolla. Your questions, your insights and your ideas will help us feed future episodes. Get in touch through all the usual channels.